I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Mind Poppers podcast with your host, Adam O'Reilly, reporting live, as always, from the Mind Poppers basement. You know what? It feels like it's been a minute since the last time I sat down to record an episode. You know, because like I said, I was away in Galway last weekend. At least I think it was last weekend. I, I, I don't know. I don't. It was a mad weekend. It was a fucking crazy weekend. So it is really, I have virtually no memory of it. You know, like at all. But I know that I was out of the county. Um, but in regards to the podcast, I had actually pre-recorded that episode that mini episode of the Mind Poppers podcast that we did and we looked at, did like supernatural and kind of religious things that were supposedly had gone down in Knockers, you know, in Knockers County Mayo, which was actually very interesting, you know, because I, I always associated it with like, just kind of like something, I knew it was something religious, but going into the story, yeah, I thought there was something there. There was something interesting there for sure. Um, And I know, I know the scheduling with the whole with with the with mind poppers, it, it's been a bit of a mess. Like it hasn't been totally consistent, you know, throughout since its conception. It hasn't been, you know. But you know what? Excuse me for having a fucking job and a life, you know, and like having to put food on the table, um, and keep the fucking lights on in the mind popper studio, um, because that ain't cheap. I tell you that it ain't cheap, and we bring in no money for mind poppers. We do it pro bono, you know. It is almost it's my way of giving back. I guess, you know, I don't really have a specific plan for what we're going to talk about in this episode of the Mind Purpose Podcast. Honestly, we're just going to sit down. We're going to see where it goes. You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, you know, the way when you're like feeling some type of way and you like get into your car and you just drive and drive and you don't know, you could end up somewhere going for a coffee. You could end up going straight into the harbour. You just don't know. So we'll see what happens. What I do want to talk about is just a few different little things in pop culture, I guess, that that have kind of got my attention the last week. Um, I guess first thing we will address, let's address the elephant trunk in the room. And by that, I mean Chris Evans, the picture of his peen leaking onto the internet. Now, for those of you who don't know Chris Evans, he's an actor. He is a very beautiful actor. And I'm sure he's, I mean, of course, he's done other stuff. I'm sure he did like some rom-com shit and all that. And I really don't know him from that. How I know Chris Evans is from playing the character of um, Captain America. So I know Chris Evans from the Marvel Universe. But like I said, very handsome actor, what have you. Now, during the week, a picture of Chris Evans' peen had leaked onto the internet. Okay, I haven't seen the photo yet. So I thought it would be, if some of you guys, a lot of you guys probably haven't seen it either. Because while it did leak and go widespread all over the internet, I guess what, what celebrities are doing these days, you know, with, with the with the massive money they have and the big teams, you often see celebrities' nudes being leaked and then almost disappearing. You know, they get buried. They have people, you know, who work specifically in this area of things getting out at what they want buried. 
So it actually has been quite hard to get that photo, uh, the, the nude of Chris Evans peen. Um, but I do have it on my phone, you know. I contacted a source and we have the photo. Now I haven't looked at the photo yet. Um, so I thought it would be interesting if I look at it live for the first time and maybe be able to give you guys a description you know so that if you haven't seen it yourself or can't find it at least you will you know get to experience it with me for the first time and if mm, I was going to say if you guys want to contact me on Instagram Adam Riley I will send you Chris Evans dick pic but then again I don't know the what is the morality in that um is it amoral to be sending around people's dick pics if they are celebrity I guess so look we'll see but basically the whole story behind Chris Evans dick pic leaking I guess was he was taking some sort of screen recording you know on the iPhone you do the screen record or what have you I guess he was screen recording something but towards the end of the screen record had exited back into his photo gallery and then in that gallery so we see like you know in the normal iPhone phone uh, photo gallery you see like a, a 12 panel of your like most recent photos or what have you so kind of like normal photos a couple of like pictures of himself what have you but one of the pictures is the dick pic is chris evans dick and yes i can confirm this is authenticated real chris evans peen you know this isn't some sort of mock-up or he was he wasn't just having some random dick pic on his phone this is the real deal this is captain america's cock for the lack of a better word um now, he seemed to take it like a champ, but, okay, I'm just turning up my brightness so I get the full, the full. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. Lord, I feel something. I feel something. Mm. Okay. Alfred Big Cock. Um, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit lost for words at the moment. I'm trying to take it all in, you know? Okay, let me do a little zoom. Oh, I zoomed too much. <laughs> oh, damn. I, zoom, I zoomed in too much. I zoomed in too much. Okay, let me try and give... Uh, I'm going to try my best look. It's my first time seeing the photo. So I'm going to try and, I guess, paint a picture of Chris Evans' penis for your mind. Okay, so let me just paint the thing. Obviously... Okay, so he's lying down in bed. Okay, the the sheets are white. I'm guessing the, I don't know, the thread count is maybe a thousand. It does look like Egyptian cotton. Um, So all you can see basically is his two legs. So basically his bottom half. As in like, so he's sitting in the bed, if you'll imagine. Maybe he's like two pillows, like holding his little head up. Well, his actual head up. Um, and then all you can see in the photo is, say, his two legs. So, like, on the bed. And then, obviously, the penis. Um, it doesn't look like he's wearing any underwear. Oh, well, no. Actually, it does look like he's wearing underwear. But he's lifted... The pe- the penis has been lifted over the briefs, okay? So, the penis is kind of hanging towards the left. He's leaning towards the left. Is actually resting um, on his thigh. Um, it is thick. You know he he has Captain America has no problems in the girth 
department, not at all. We have a surplus of girth, if I'm being quite honest. It's meaty. Um, like a salami, like a like a big piece of salami, but it looks warmer than that. It looks like it. <laughs> I I feel like it would be extremely warm to the touch, um, and and look, it's a fact. I I don't you see I know you see people write in and they say they'll be listening to this podcast with with like you know whether they're in the kitchen and the kids are running amok or they're like driving with like their partner in the car and all that. So I do try like do keep in mind like where people are consuming mind poppers, but at the same time, you know, I cannot let. Your guys is, you know, position, halter, you know, my thoughts, you know. I will not be silenced. Um, anyway, back to the, back to Chris Evans' dick. Um, okay, so it is, you guys, it is very, it's meaty. It's, okay, I'm looking around. Do you know what? It's, it's thicker than, than a shower bottle of deodorant. It is, what's this? Okay, I have. A bottle of, or a thing of Febreze next to me. It has about the same girth. If you have a Febreze at home, guys, or if you just happen to be out doing the shop during the week, go find a bottle of Febreze. And not the big square one, the plastic one. No, it is not some sort of big, like, SpongeBob square pants dick. It is, you know, like the metallic cylindrical Febreze bottle thick. You know, so it is thick. Um, It's definitely veiny. You know, now the picture isn't great. Obviously, I'm zooming in because like I said, it's it's on a grid. It's on a photo grid. So it's not the actual like close up photo. I'm just zoomed in. But it's definitely veiny. You know, I'm definitely seeing some cracks on that surface. Um, He's circumcised. <laughs> I can confirm that the foreskin has left the building. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, so he is circumcised. So we're seeing the exposed um, head of the penis, if you will, to to give you the me- the medical terms. We can see the head, um, and it's a big head. It is a big head. Um, it almost looks like I don't know, like a little mushroom. Almost looks like a little mushroom, but instead of like having like a little slender kind of like magical stem, it's a big fat stem. It is a big fat ass stem. Um, God, I couldn't even tell. Oh, I think people actually um worked out like using geometry. Okay, and there was a lot of you who sat there in school and you said, "When is you know this type of maths geometry? When am I ever going to use that in my future?" Well. Some people on the internet used their geometry and took different photos of him and used different sizings of whatever. I I don't know. I think there was a picture of him with a fucking basketball, what have you, to work out the size of Chris Evans' penis. And I think it was coming in at a modest, humble 7.5 inches. Okay? Mm. Mmm. 7.5 inches. Yeah, no, so like I said, it's a fat cock, you know? There's just no two ways about it. It is a fat cock. Um, and if if the kids are listening, just tell them we're, I don't know, talking about chickens. Um, but this chicken is big. It is girthy. It is giving me, I guess, the vibe of 
um, a baguette. It is real, it's a baguette cock. A baguette cock, I think is the best way I can describe it. Thick like a baguette. Um, warm. Like a baguette, like a garlic bread baguette. Definitely warm. Um, coming in at a very, a very, um, generous size. Like I said, th- there is no shortage of girth on this penis. There is just nothing of the sort. It looks big, it looks fat. Um... I have to say, in terms of penises, seems very pretty, you know. She's a looker. She is a looker, you know. Um, okay, sorry, I have to close the phone. I have to close the phone. Um, basically, he did, he did go on to address this wherever. He didn't really have much to say. I mean, look, he, he accidentally put up a picture of his own penis. And you know what? It was It was a great picture. It was a great penis, you know. So he said he was like super embarrassed about ever in an interview. I mean, there was really nothing to be embarrassed about. You know, it was a, it was just a gorgeous penis, you know. And I don't say that in like a sexual way, you know. Uh, I just say it as a matter of fact. Like it is 23 degrees in my room right now. And it, it just happened to be a beautiful penis. Um, he did go on to Twitter and he he kind of addressed it in, in, his, in a tweet. What he said was... He was, well, let me get up the tweet instead of me just making up some sort of lie of what. There's the picture again. Okay, no. Basically what he said was that he was like something like, oops, or no. What he said was, now that I've got your attention. And then he was like, remember to vote in November 3rd or whatever, whatever the the voting opens up in the the United States. So he did. I mean, look, fair play to him. He took it on the chin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um... He took it on the chin and he kind of used the platform. He knew that he was going to have eyes, you know, traffic going towards the Twitter page since, you know, obviously, big fat cock gate. You know, we were in the middle of it. We were all checking the page, seeing was he going to address it? And he just told people to go vote. And I think that's fair. You know, go for him. You know, the thing about uh, recording Mind Poppers as well, sitting down and recording the podcast, just me and you guys, you know, it provides like a, a safe space for me where I feel like I can say things that I normally, you know, I wouldn't say on Instagram or I wouldn't say whatever. You know, this is as close really to authentic me as I'm willing to give. But a lot of my family and stuff will be like, oh, we listen to the podcast, must check out the podcast, whatever. And one of those members of my family is my grandmother, you know, who is absolutely not technologically savvy at all, you know, at all. Um, but she's always like, oh, she was like, what, what are we talking about in the podcast this week? What are we talking about this week? And I have to explain to her several times over what a podcast is and what it is not. But she's always like, oh, I must give it a listen one of these days. And literally she was saying it the other day. She's like, oh, I must give it a listen one of these days. And then she'd finished up the conversation. She was like, you know, she was just giving me one of those speeches being like, oh, look, while you live, while you're young and you've no responsibility. Um, she was like, you know, because sometime in the future, you're going to have like a wife and kids. And I'm <laughs> You got a big storm coming. <laughs> Maybe I should just play her at the start of this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, my grandson, he he runs his own podcast and everything. Sit down now and I'll play a bit for you. Chris Evans cut is so fucking fat. <laughs> she died that day. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh, whatever. So another thing that was happening in the world of pop culture this week, I'm sure you've seen Cardi B and Offset have officially filed for divorce. Now, I first, um, I think that the first people to break the story was TMZ. So initially... Um, Cardi B was the one on the document. So Cardi B was the plaintiff in this situation. Um, and I guess Offset being the defendant or whatever the term they want to use uh, in the divorce court or whatever. But Cardi B was the one who had filed the papers. So Cardi B was the one who instigated the divorce. Now the thing was, right, obviously, you know, there, there's been a really, tr- like, true, tr- okay, I have an English degree. I can do this. There's been a real tumultuous, tumultuous, tumultuous. It's been rocky road for Cardi B. You know, it has been a rocky road because from the from the beginning of the marriage, from the offset of the marriage, if you will, <laughs> um, you know, he's been cheating, and there's just been like rumors of cheating and what have you, and obviously it it just wasn't good. It wasn't good. So they had broken up previously, and then they got engaged, got married, what have you. But I guess he's been cheating again. It's just what I can assume if Cardi B has gone on. Because in, in the divorce papers, it's reported in TMZ. So Cardi B's name was on everything. So she was the one filing for divorce. Um, she was also going for primary custody and physical custody of the kids. Um, and how many kids do they have? I actually don't have a clue. I know they've called her. If there's another one, then we can only assume that she's taking custody of that as well. Um, but also... She was going for um, support, so child support off him. She wanted child support off him. And not only that, but she was also, because they, they didn't sign a prenup, according to the court records, that Cardi B and Offset have, have no prenup done. So um, she was going for half of his estate as well, or I guess the way they divide up the marital assets. I don't know. You know, it's not just because the woman, you know, it doesn't always, not necessarily the fact that, oh, the woman's going to take half. No, because it actually turns out that Cardi B and Offset actually have a very similar net worth. They both come in with a net worth of around 25 million, you know, which isn't super rich by any means. But again, it's nothing to be, you know, looked down upon. How many of us have 25 million net worth? You know, I could barely afford a fucking happy meal right now. Um, I am broke. Um, so apparently she was going for... She was take, going for full custody and she was going for the money. So it, it, it kind of obviously gave, gives us the impression that something went down. You know, it seems like this is something done in anger. Like it didn't seem am, am, amicable, you know. She was 
going for the full custody. She was going for half of, I guess, the, the marital assets, what have you. So obviously you would, you just assume that it was like cheating again or whatever. Um, but then as it turns out, um, as reported in TMZ again, uh, Cardi B has actually um, sent in amended divorce filings now. So she's actually resent them, resent in new, um, new documents for the, for the divorce claiming or what, what she said was that it was actually her lawyer who had sent in the original divorce papers and Cardi B, I don't know, didn't okay them or what have you, which, you know, realistically probably wasn't in the case. She probably did it from a point of anger and now she sent it in the amended divorce papers. I don't know, I guess from a place of more clarity or what have you, that is what would make sense to me, you know, because it, obviously like you're divorcing someone and you're talking that kind of money that those two have, two very influential people in the rap hip hop industry. Um, so I mean like no one's sending in papers without you know it being read through, you know, with a fine to comb. So I'm guessing that Cardi B had, you know, sent in the original files, the original filings in a state of anger and is now kind of getting a bit cool about herself or whatever. So now in the amended uh, divorce settlement that she's sending in or the divorce records filings, um she's not asking for any she's not asking for a cent off offset. She, she doesn't want any money. She doesn't want... She's not even going for child support. She wants none of it. She said that she'll get everything from the bank, Cardi. Um, and they're going to share custody. And they, she said in this in the new amended uh, divorce filings that um, the whole... The most important thing of the divorce filing is that they they reach a amic, an amicable resolution. So obviously they, they found some sort of whatever. But in the original divorce filings, it had stated that the two were actually separated um, for for some time beforehand. So it, I mean, because like, we knew that Offset was, you know, not necessarily, you know, he, he struggled with monogamy for sure. And, you know, I guess this time Cardi B had enough and now she's done with it, whatever. And good for her, you know, she's reeling off the success of Wet Ass Pussy, you know, just this mega hit. You know, she's still very popular right now. Like, we're all anticipating a second album album from Cardi B. And whether you, whether you like Cardi B or you hate Cardi B, her, her debut album, Invasion of Privacy, was a really, really good album. It was a really, really solid debut album. Um, But you, I mean, just going on about like Cardi B and her... I don't know, her music or whatever. She's a lot of growing to do. She absolutely has a lot of growing to do. Just vocally, style-wise, what have you. I mean, she's not Nicki Minaj. She's not. The, the, the talents just aren't aren't comparable right now. But, you know, because I always, I think, I thought it was interesting. They didn't have a prenup, right? According to the, the court or the, the divorce papers. But I, I see a lot, especially in the States. I'm not so much about here in Ireland. But a, a lot of couples, what they'll do is they'll do the prenup, okay? So, obviously, when you go, or if the marriage happens to dissolve for whatever reason and parties want to go their separate ways, if there's a prenup, then you you won't be leaving with anything that you didn't bring to the marriage. Whereas there's a, a lot of people in the States put clauses. They put a clause in, in their prenup, in their prenuptial agreements, okay? So it's like an, it's called an infidelity clause. So the prenup holds... You know, you get divorced, you go your separate ways, goodbye, whatever, everyone leaves with what they brought. However, with an infidelity clause, the prenup will become null and void if either party, I'm presuming, 
Um, I'm sure that it's more complicated than that. But if someone's cheating, if someone's having an affair within the marriage, then the prenup goes out the window. Um, So I don't know if that was the case for what was happening right now. And I have to say, look, fair play to her for not... Yeah, if it did come from a point of anger, which I think it probably did, fair play to her for like, you know, just clearing her mind and not going to try and take much. Now, again, he he surely doesn't have a whole lot to take because if anything, you know, Cardi is probably more popping right now than Offset and Migos, you know. Cardi B is, you know, kind of still at the at the peak of her fame. And I imagine there's a lot more money and she, she has going to have a new record coming and tours as soon as the world opens back up again. So, I mean, like, Cardi is probably in a position where she is probably going to amass a larger net worth than her soon-to-be ex-husband offset. And, you know, it, it's always very interesting because I, I ask people this all the time. You know, if, you, if you're if you in, you're getting divorced, whatever, or if you're getting married in the first place, are you signing the prenup? Are you signing the prenup? Because, I mean, look, if... It's it's easy to say for us now. I mean, like you're marrying, you know, your boyfriend, what have you, who really has no more than you, and they want to sign a prenup. Fine, but you know, when it's an uneven playing field in terms of monetary value, and if you're going into a relationship and you're marrying, say, someone who has a hundred million dollar estate, and you come from nothing, you know, are you? Do you feel comfortable, like not sign or signing a prenup in in that situation, knowing that if the marriage does end, that you leave with nothing? Mm-mm, not me, not me. And look, I mean, I guess we we would all be fools for love. We would all be fools for love. But I mean, I've already rehearsed it. You know, when they're like, okay, we're getting married or whatever. You know, I'm seventy eight and I have a hundred million dollar estate and I want to protect that. You know, so my kids have something to inherit. <laughs> you know, like my thing would be like you. Oh no, Let, let's not even get married. Let's not even get married. And they're like, but baby, why? But baby, why won't you marry me? I'm like, no, because this whole prenup thing, I understand. I understand that you want to protect everything that you worked your entire life for. I get that, I do. But I cannot start this journey because for me, marriage is for life. I don't know about you, but for me, marriage is life. And if you want to start off right now with this crack in the foundation because it's about trust. If we trust each other 100% and knew that this was going to last forever, th- then the prenup wouldn't exist. So for me, you you getting me to sign this right now, I don't give a fuck about your money. You know, we'll we, we get divorced and I won't take a penny. You know, mark my words. But this, you want me to sign this? You want to bring the government into our relationship? Uh-uh. You know, it's not for me. It's, it's just not for me. You know, I can't do that. And they'd be like, oh, baby. And then eventually, of course, you wear them down and there is no prenup. And his children get nothing. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look, that, I guess that's the dream, isn't it? That is the dream. Some willful marital manipulation is, I guess, all any of us can hope to. I'm asked to, I guess. Anyway, moving on from that, but in the same vein. Paris Hilton, I know. Why is it a name still on our minds to this day? Well, in the last week, Paris Hilton is after releasing her own, I guess, it's not a biopic, it's more of like a short documentary, like an insight into, I guess, the real Paris or what have you um, on her YouTube channel. I just watched it today and I have to say, it was good. It was actually very good. Um, the thing about Paris Hilton is, you know, she came along 
you know, just before we really got into the digital age as we are today, you know, where we had, you know, GIFs, memes and like everything, you know, there's, there, there would be, you know, like with the Kardashians, there's a gift for everything, you know, but Paris Hilton came just before that. Now, Paris Hilton really kind of came into fame. It was in her early, so it was, I guess her late teens, it was before her, before she was 18, she had a, a really good fake ID and she was hitting all these like clubs, she was going out at night, like sneaking out, her, they were living in a hotel, um, her parents used to be like freaking out, her mother's Kathy Hilton, used to be freaking out at night, like where's Paris, where's Paris and she'd be like just all around New York, like, like the what you call it the upper manhattan you know all this kind of shit like in the clubs and all that just like going crazy whatever and she started building up a bit of her name for herself especially like back in that in that time in the early 2000s 2000s in new york you know like a, a big thing you know was these um what you call them um what is that word you know, for people who aren't who aren't famous, but they're famous for being fam- a socialite. So she'd be she was making like a name for herself on this like New York socialite scene. Of course, she was this heiress of a massive fortune, the Hilton fortune, what have you. So every morning, like the the, the newspapers would be delivered outside everyone's hotel door, and on the cover every morning would be Paris Hilton on the front cover. And I used to drive, like her parents were like, just tormented. They didn't know really like what to do with Paris at this point. They thought that she was just kind of getting out of control or whatever. And Paris didn't want to be like told what to do. You know, she talks about this in the documentary, This Is Paris, that she didn't like to be told what to do. So she she would almost rebel and go out and just get like fucked up. I know it sounds amazing, but I keep in mind she was like probably like 16, 17 at the time. <clears throat> her parents really didn't know what to do with her. Um, so they actually sent her off to several kind of different kind of schools, boarding schools, where have you. She'd always run away. She'd always run away and would come back and things would just go back kind of to the same kind of shit show. Until, and Paris talks about this in the documentary. Until she went to Provo Canyon School, which was in Utah. And she spent, she was there for 11 months. So what actually happened was, it was basically this, the Provo Canyon School was basically like one of these like schools that you really just see in the States. You know, these schools for like troubled teenagers or whatever, but it was like extreme. You know, there was like no contact with the outside world. And Paris recalls in, in the documentary, this is Paris, how I guess she was 17 years old, whatever. Um, and she was lying in bed one night and she heard people um, like enter her bedroom in the dead of night now keep in mind and she said it was like two big guys and they like dragged her out of the bed um, and they were actually from the school this Provo Canyon school and like the, it, like I said it like troubled teen schools like you know what the Americans are like it's just fucked up you know the way like these like kind of like schools for troubled you and they come and like take you away in the middle of the night it's basically like they kidnap Paris and Paris recalls these like two big men like grabbing her and dragging her out of the bed and her like roaring screaming like she thought she was being kidnapped she thought she was being abducted she didn't know that she was going to this school at all um, and she said that she was screaming and crying. She was like shouting out, mom, dad, help me, mom, dad, help me. And anyway, she, I guess she looks over the shoulder of like one of these big bulky guys carrying her out of the hotel. Um, and I mean, she's only a kid, keep in mind. And she remembers looking over your guy, this guy's shoulder and seeing her mom and dad just not even being able to look at her standing outside their bedroom, just looking at each other and crying. 
obviously Paris had no warning that she was getting taken away in the middle of the fucking night and they brought her to this school or whatever where she spent 11 months basically I guess it was some sort of like I guess rehabilitation for troubled youths or whatever but according to the documentary the parents Paris Hilton's parents weren't aware but this in the school they would you know, it's almost kind of like, almost, I guess, like had psych ward vibes because every student was given like medication or whatever, like they had to take their pills every day. Um, apparently the students were verbally abused and physically abused, like Paris recalls being strangled by, I guess, one of the, don't know if you want to call them teachers or whatever at this Provo Canyon school in Utah. Um, and she said that a lot of people there were actually sexually assaulted as well. And a lot of people have come out since about this school. Um, and there's actually been a big campaign against the Provo Canyon School in Utah because it, it did come to the surface that there was a lot, a lot, a lot of physical abuse going on in the school to the kids. I mean, there's kids in there as young as eight years old. The kids were being physically abused. They were being beaten. They were being, um, I guess verbally abused emotionally abused and sexually abused now Paris doesn't say whether or not she did or did not get sexually abused in the school but she did say that she was physically abused and that she was verbally abused and mentally abused I guess was the whole thing it was it was a big trauma um and very interesting to see how this trauma really shaped who Paris Hilton was to become you know and this was I guess one of the missing pieces in the puzzle of what created Paris Hilton you know because we we all know her as this like ditzy you know blonde or whatever who was really superficial and she was a bit of a bombshell and she was like you know the rich heiress or whatever but it's interesting to see how this all came about and you know she recalls when she was in the school she tried to and um, I think she tried to run away one night run a runaway but they caught her anyway and they actually forced her into isolation. So they had isolation chambers within this, excuse me, within this school. So she was locked away in isolation. I think she said for 22 hours and they stripped you of your clothes and you were like had to sit in there naked um, by yourself. No communication, no nothing for 22 hours. And you know, it's in isolation, like in prisons and shit where people lose their fucking minds, you know? And Paris recalls that she just sat there for the 22 hours, like naked, whatever, in this isolation chamber in the pitch black. She said that she could tell that there was a girl next to her um, in a, I guess, a cell, if you want to call it, an isolation chamber. Um, and this girl was in a straight jacket. So there, like it was a real multitude. Of, like it wasn't just this place wasn't just full of like rich heiresses or whatever. This was like the real deal. This was like real troubled fucking youth, you know? Para said that she sat there for the 22 hours and she just thought to herself of like what got her through it was well, what, I'm, what I'm going to create for myself when I get out of here, what I'm going to do to, to make a name for myself, whatever. <clears throat> but she talks about the amount of trauma. <clears throat> she said that she, she rarely sleeps at night, you know, to this day because of that trauma. You know, every night she goes to sleep, she's plagued by these nightmares of people coming and taking her from her bed, you know. <clears throat> like what really did happen to her as a child and she said you know from this this trauma something that's never left her and it's just given her such trust issues 
and abandonment issues and giving her just like a whole plateau of different fucked up issues that it's a side to Paris Hilton you've seen the documentary that we haven't seen before she came out anyway she was 18 she was living her freedom what have you she was still on the socialite scene and I guess she really flew into the attention of the, the worldwide media in 2003 when her sex tape leaked she talks about this in the documentary you know she was with a guy her boyfriend at the time and he wanted it he pulled out a camera and wanted to film them having sex and she was like no no I, I, I don't want to do this and he's like why not why are you such a bore he was like if you don't do it I'll just get someone else up here who will you know kind of this emotional kind of battery so eventually she did it and she said that obviously she never thought it was going to be seen by anybody you know but then I guess the boyfriend leaked it um, and he actually sold it on sites. I can't remember what site he had it on. It was called like, uh, it was like eliteheiress.com, something like that. You know, he was selling this and he was he was making bank off the sex tape, you know, and I don't know if Paris ever made anything off it. But what it did do was, you know, skyrocket her into superstardom. You know, it was like, because of, oh, before this, we just had socialite and heiress. Now we had something that was going to you know bring her to the attention of the world and it did and from there she became like it's hard for us looking back now because a lot of us were too young and again the the digital age you know wasn't uh, wasn't where it is now so it is kind of hard to remember the impact that Paris Hilton had but she was you know at the peak of Paris Hilton's fame there a paparazzi photo of her in the peak of her fame could go for a million dollars think about that that one photographer out there could make one million dollars in one day by just getting a pap photo of Paris Hilton that is how much she was in demand by the world and a lot of people say that she created the selfie you know um because she used to go around with her camera and like take a picture of herself with the camera. And she said that people weren't doing it or what have you. And a lot of people credit with her with creating the selfie. It's actually interesting in the documentary. Because a lot of people call her the first influencer. The first inf- influencer she paved the way for just obviously a, a, a long road of some terribly shallow and irritating people. Uh, and some good people, you know, but more so the latter. Um... And, you know, by this time in the documentary, she's she's dropped it all. She talks about how the whole, like, hi, my name is Paris, was something she made. It was a fabrication, the whole high-pitched voice, because when you actually hear her talk in the documentary, she got, she's a very, very low voice. But this trauma, she said, she used that and created this character of Paris Hilton, like Ditsy Heiress or whatever. Um, and you remember on her show that she did with her friend Nicole Richie, it was called The Simple Life. And just to show again, like the height of, in Paris Hilton's fame, The Simple Life was bringing in around 13 million viewers per episode. There ain't any reality shows doing that today. There's no one bringing in 13 million viewers. But Paris Hilton did. Like she really paved the way for the, for the whole reality TV thing, whatever. But it's only in the last couple of years that she's actually kind of came out as Paris Hilton and she's dropped the whole ditzy blonde thing, whatever. But it is weird. If you watch the documentary, this is Paris, it's available on YouTube for free. You can see how the trauma this bitch went through as a kid created the Paris Hilton that that we knew. Um, And it's actually interesting 
in, in the in the documentary one of the producers or, or camera crew they ask her you know they're, they're talking about like you know Instagram not just Instagrammers but influencers today and talking about like you know like they're walking in the street and they've seen like like eight-year-old girls like posing for selfies and like putting a filter on themselves and all that and the camera the camera person I don't know what her name is but she asked Paris she's like do you feel responsible for all of this and Paris Hilton like takes a minute and she's like yeah I do you know Paris talks about how she feels like she created a monster like Paris Hilton she holds you can tell she holds it heavily in her spirit really heavily that that she went on and created the whole the whole influencer scene the whole the whole emphasis on the superficial the the filters the the you know the 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 vanity the the lack of depth she like kind of takes ownership for all of that in this documentary about how saying that she created something and put it out into this world or at least paved the way for something that necessarily really isn't that positive and you can tell that she has she struggles a lot with it that one of her biggest impact in the world is a she created a culture that for the most part it's not a very good one it's not a very positive one it's you know it's people drown in it you know it's all consuming um so it was actually very interesting to see Paris Hilton like that you know actually being pretty self-aware you know it was actually a really good insight and you know I have to say when Paris was on about like she was like of course she denied ever having any involvement with leaking the sex tape and I think if you watch the documentary you'd believe her I don't think that she did it all either um I don't think she needed it um and it's not like she knew a sex tape was going to get out and it was going to you know spring her into superstardom it was only because of Paris Hilton and that tape going out it became the blueprint for people after her to to use that as a leverage into fame and you know it actually brought into question a lot for me of whether or not Kim Kardashian or her team leaked their sex leaked her own sex tape and I'm leaning more towards the side of she did because she was there she was Paris's best friend she was Paris's actually she was Paris's assistant Paris Hilton's assistant she saw what Paris achieved and literally saw the blueprint. I mean, Paris was the blueprint for for what Kim Kardashian is, for what all of these people are. And, you know, it's just kind of, I guess, I don't know, I mean, possibly coincidence that then Kim Kardashian's sex tape had leaked and then she got, you know, skyrocketed into superstardom. For me, after watching the documentary, I was like, all right, I was like, Kim, Kim saw what worked she saw Paris provided the blueprint um and and ergo we have Kim Kardashian um so I would I would recommend checking out the documentary it's on YouTube it's like over an hour long maybe an hour and a half it's a good watch it is a good watch and look Paris Hilton it's interesting because we don't hear a lot about her much anymore do we like not in the same vein as like the Kardashians you know who up until recently obviously you know they announced that the keeping up the Kardashians was coming to a close um, but the thing is, Paris, like when we think about Paris Hilton, we don't really think of her that much anymore. And it's like, you know, like, is this someone who just like fizzled off like the face of the earth or whatever? Like, did they have their moment and now they're done? But it actually seems to be like quite the opposite because Paris Hilton has a net worth of over 300 million. Um, 
her her and she has she just has her her like her shit everywhere you know she does the, the handbag the clothing the skincare the makeup the perfume or whatever the perfume was or the, her perfume alone her perfume line alone the different ranges brought in three billion three billion dollars from her perfumes you know the thing is Paris Hilton seems to be massive outside of the United States like massive like you should have seen her this year when she went to South Korea launching her Paris Hilton skincare whatever it was like the fucking crowds of people there to see her at the airport and shit is just crazy. You know, when you see her in other countries, like in Asia and stuff, it's like she never, she, it's like she never stepped out of the spotlight. Like Cara Silton is massive around the world and she's this super rich, wealthy person. Um, And you just get to see a really interesting side of her in this documentary. You get to see a human side and how she surrounded herself with all these material things for, you know, because of trauma or whatever. But when you see her, she's in sweats. And you can tell that this person has just a lot of fucking issues. It is a really good watch. I'm telling you, like, I've, I've talked about it enough. But do go check it out. And you will see the real, the trauma of what created Paris Hilton, I guess. I won't say much about the Kardashians. Look, it's over. It's had its time. It's been 14 years in the making. And it got to the point where... I mean, yes, it was a fantastically produced reality TV show. Like, no one can take that away from it. It was just excellently produced. You know, it really was. But it came to the point where the Kardashians over the last decade and a half have given us so much content, have given us so much to watch and think about and digest or whatever. It really is at the point now where, okay, well, what can they do next? What can they possibly do next? You know, that that will grasp us in the same way. You know, because at the start, like, it was like everything, you know, I, I we want to see it, we want to see it. But now, like, with Twitter and Instagram and all that, any drama that they have, we see it as it's happening and we see it, it's resolved. And then it's like, oh, do we really want to go and watch that back on the TV? Not necessarily. And overlook over the years, I've said this many times, but, the, but I've been proven wrong every single time. Just when you thought the Kardashians could really, you know, do nothing more to to keep that fire going of the Kardashian empire, of keeping up the Kardashians, you know, Caitlyn Jenner emerges, you know, enter Caitlyn Jenner, you know, really fuck shit up. I mean, it was just incredible. It was just incredible. Like, that this family just had so much going on from the OJ Simpson trial, then to Bruce Jenner, fucking Olympic athlete, coming out as transgender on the show and living as Caitlyn Jenner. Just incredible. Just incredible. Like, no one can say the Kardashians didn't give us what we wanted. Because they did. They absolutely delivered. But I guess, you know what, it's just not really going to work anymore because the formula is going dry. It's going dead. Courtney is being a moany little bitch. She doesn't want to, she doesn't want to record. She doesn't want to film. Okay, what's the way we have that? And the thing is, the spotlight, Kim isn't in the spotlight anymore. Kim Kardashian isn't the most famous Kardashian anymore. No, unfortunately, it's Kylie, isn't it? It's it's the two younger ones have kind of taken the reins in the like the last two, three years. And you, you, if you've ever watched Keeping Up the Kardashians, Kylie Jenner, it's just not... She, first of all, she's not that interesting as a person. She's just not. She doesn't got a whole lot to say, you know, at all. And she's, and you can tell that she's not that interested. And why would she be? She's the youngest self-made billionaire, you know? So she doesn't need Keeping Up with the Kardashians. She doesn't need that stress. She doesn't need that shit. You know, and Chris is already getting that 10%. So I'm sure they're all happy. So you, we can't really have a show because the formula is dying down. Courtney doesn't want to film... Kylie doesn't have what it takes. She doesn't have the skill set to carry a show like that at all. 
And, you know, I guess it was a perfect opportunity for Kim to bow out now. Because Kanye is again having meltdown after meltdown after meltdown. The marriage is absolutely on the rocks. It was literally just on Twitter about an hour ago and Kanye West was having another episode. Um, he tweeted out, okay, Randall Forb. For those of you who don't know, Randall Forb owns Forbes magazine. I'm sure you've heard of Forbes. Like Forbes, like, you know, most influential Forbes, like the 100 most powerful, whatever. Forbes, it's a very, very big deal. It's a very big establishment, very big publication. Kanye West just took a screenshot of his contacts in his phone of Randall Ford with Randall Ford's number showing and he was like, hey, you guys, do you want to talk to a white supremacist message this guy? So he just after putting out Randall Ford's number there in the last hour. He also has, um, I guess he's going through some shit with record labels or something and contracts and saying that they're all, all musicians are slaves or something and then they're not getting what they deserve or whatever. Um, so he actually had a video up of his toilet, you know, in his bathroom inside the toilet was one of his grammy awards and in the video kanye is pissing yes he is pissing on his on one of his grammys so i don't know i don't know what that mess and to be honest am i really that interested in any of the kardashian stuff anymore like no i'm really really not they've they've lost it for me i hope they all go on and just live happy lives whatever i honestly don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck and kanye west mm-mm I'm bored with Kanye West. I really am bored. Again, like we've seen it, we, we've seen all the episodes, the mental breakdowns, whatever. Get help. Or don't. Whatever. But, like, stop calling yourself a genius. Because, you know, it's maybe back in the day, but right now, this ain't genius. This ain't genius shit that's going on right now. Oh, I also forgot to mention when we were talking about Paris Hilton. There was that one stage where Paris Hilton was the highest paid female DJ in the world. Like, when Paris Hilton goes to DJ a gig, she can get anywhere from around... 500,000 to a million for one DJ set. You know, so Paris Hilton is big and she's rolling in the money. Don't worry about Paris Hilton, okay? She is living rent-free in your minds. Um, But moving on, and I want to finish on this mind pop. I want to finish on this story. Give us a bit of intellectuality, you know? Because we've talked about a lot of dumb shit on this episode. A lot of dumb people. I mean, while it's interesting, yes. Sure, it's pop culture. When it gets to something with a little bit more substance. And I shared this during the week. But... Astronomers, I guess, are theorizing that they have possibly, or at least there is a, a, a good chance that they have found life on Venus, on the planet Venus. Now, Venus obviously is in our solar system, occur, um, and it's one of those planets like Mars where scientists theorize that at one point, you know, hundreds of millions of years ago, if not billions, um, that Mars and both Mars and Venus actually had life at them at one point, you know, actual life, whatever that looked like. But this whole, what they're seeing right now, they haven't like found like an, like an alien as we, as we think or whatever, but what they've actually done is through the use of power, powerful telescopes, they've detected um, a chemical, I guess a gas, you know, going around Venus in the atmosphere called phosphine. And why this is interesting and why this is a potential signal of alien life is because phosphine, the only way we know how it's created on Earth is through organic life. It's the only only time it ever, it's ever appeared in the known universe is when it's actually surrounded by organic life. And the interesting thing is that they actually don't know how this gas phosphine is created, but they know that wherever it is, there is microbial, microbial life. And it's these microorganisms, I guess, that they theorize are responsible for this, this gas, this chemical phosphine. So this would suggest, since it's the, in, 
in human knowledge, the only way this phosphine chemical is made is through these microorganisms. So using that logic, they are theorizing, since they have detected this gas phosphine in the atmosphere of Venus, then there has to be these microorganisms present on Venus. Now, what they theorize is these microorganisms actually lived in the water when Venus had, you know, when, I guess, when there was life on Venus or whatever. Then when the planet started to dry up and what have you, and the ocean started to evaporate, these microorganisms were actually dragged up into the atmosphere, I guess, where they live now. And hence the phosphine gas or what have you. So it is an interesting indication that if they can, you know, this could potentially be a sign of life on Venus. Again, not necessarily the life that we're all hoping for, but microbial. And they always do say, I was listening to a NASA podcast the other day, actually. Um, it's it's interesting. You should subscribe. It's just the NASA podcast. Um, but they were talking about, you know, about us finding extraterrestrial life. And it's actually interesting, you guys, because NASA, okay, because I've been listening to that podcast for a couple of years, the NASA podcast, it's only in like the last year where they even dare address extraterrestrial life. Because the years ago when, when someone, a guest or something would bring up like aliens, ETs, what have you, they'd brush it under the rug fairly quick. So it's interesting now that we see even with the US government, with NASA, a lot of these restrictions are easing up, you know, it's, I don't know, like, like I said, it's almost like they're preparing us for something, but it was interesting on this podcast, they were saying that if we, when we do find life, and they imagine that we do, it's almost, it's just almost like, I think a zero, zero percent chance that there is not life out there. But anyway, they were saying that when we do find life, the the likelihood is the first life we will find is microbial life, which is what they're theorizing now that they found on Venus, you know, a much closer to us than anticipated, this life. Um, but it's interesting, th- this this woman who was this expert, I can't remember what expert, or bio, maybe bioastrophysics, something, I mean, it's not even a thing, I don't know. But she was something along that line, you get it, she was a nerd, okay, and she was talking on the NASA podcast as a guest, she was talking about, yes, the, the most likely life that we'd find first is microbial life, and then she went on to talk about, okay, alien life, you know, and us finding alien life, or what have you. And again, she kind of made the point, like, oh, like, why haven't they visited us, why haven't they visited us? And she makes the point that it's like, we as the human race are like ants on the side of a highway and that these ants don't possess I guess even the cognitive abilities the brain power the level of consciousness to even understand that they're on the side of a highway never mind be able to conceptualize what a highway is and all that so a lot of people are saying that these these races would be so much more advanced than us you know of course if they're at a point of interstellar travel that we just wouldn't even be able to like we could see them and not even be able to comprehend what they are if that makes sense um but it was interesting because she was talking about it with the future of our own world on earth and the likelihood of the life that we're going to encounter in space and she was saying that and this is the way it's going to go you know and a lot of people are uncomfortable with it but she said that the the aliens that we'll encounter in space <clears throat> the people that we'll make contact with <clears throat> excuse me I'm still thinking of that Chris Evans picture. Um, the aliens that we're going to meet are going to be non-biological. And when I say non-biological, it is when civilizations develop to a point where they have kind of evolved beyond the need for a biological body and instead are kind of living immortally in these 
I guess the closest thing we can explain it in human terms would be like robotic bodies or synthetic bodies. They'll be synthetic beings, um, which I thought was very interesting because she went on to talk about how we then would also be going on as a human race to eventually become not like our our possible next evolution as the human race. Like say if we came from apes and, you know, we're humans, our next phase in human evolution will probably be non-biological so we will be synthetic beings okay you know let's see let's see in like 20 well i guess not gonna be 20 let's check it back in the year 2400 okay when i'm still alive because like i said i'm getting freezing and i'm up on the bar shaking this robussy you know that's robotic pussy um god i'm gonna miss you guys when you're all dead and i'm alive you know, in a couple of thousand years, I'm going to miss you guys, you know, and because I'm getting frozen and a lot of you guys are going to be dead, you know, I'm sorry, it's just the way it is, that was your choice, you know, and I'm probably going to be talking, you know, mind poppers still, still be going on in the year 2400 and I'm still probably, like, I'm going to be, you know, broadcasting to, you know, like your great, 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 great grandchildren, you know, there, you see, some traditions just, I guess, last the test of time. You know, now this is it for me with Mind Poppers for this week's episode. I know, I mean, like, I did not know where it was going to go. I did not know where this episode was going to go. I just wanted to oh, take it easy for once, you know, and talk about some of the trash that's going on in the world. Um, I will be back. Like I said, I wanted to get Mind Poppers um, on a Wednesday schedule so that when you wake up of a mon- or a Wednesday morning, Mind Poppers will be there and ready to listen you know, it'll just be, it'll be easier, okay, it'll be easier for me, you guys, um, and a, a couple of people had messaged me over this weekend saying that one episode of Mind Poppers a week wasn't enough, and if I had considered creating a Patreon for Mind Poppers, um, right now, no, it's not something I've thought about, I mean, yes, obviously the podcast is, you know, it's not free to make, and I, I, I obviously enjoy being able to provide it for free, you know, that's the whole thing. It's, it's just like a, a casual conversation. Um, you know, sometime in the future, possibly. Possibly, we could do a Patreon. But right now, no. Right now, I don't want to I don't want to complicate things at all. I'm just having a good time sitting down. We're getting to know each other, aren't we? Aren't we? <laughs> that is it for me and this week's episode of the Mind Poppers podcast. I will be back next Wednesday. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you are subscribed so you get it as soon as it goes up. That is all from me this week. In the meantime, stay woke. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.